Blog Talk Radio. intersectionality and human resources. And in the course of doing so, I stumbled onto a story that made the most clearly stated argument for hiring, for cultural fit that I have ever seen. The author told a story about a woman in her 20s who was working for a consulting firm, and the client was a prison, a prison. And she was making recommendations on how to group the inmates together. And this was the first time that she'd been working with a team on the client side. The people on the client side included people from her own background. That was the key. So in one of their discussions, she said, look, you wouldn't put Nicki Minaj in a cell with Remy Ma. And I don't really know who Remy Ma is, so I don't even know if I'm saying her name right, okay? But here's what she said after about that. She said, you should have heard the response. Everybody got it instantly, and it was a beautiful thing. I wouldn't be able to make an analogy like that on another team. And she says that this was the project she performed on best, and it was partly because the clients were like her, and that made it easier to build a relationship. And because she performed so well on this project, she gained a lot of social capital with her supervisor. Whatever that means, it sounds like points. The supervisor liked her better, and according to the article, it's a direct example of how working with people you can relate to can positively influence your career. And it's also an example of how lacking the same points of reference as other people uh, that you're working with might put you at a disadvantage with them. Let's say you're a middle-aged recruiter and you grew up in the 1980s, right? And you're trying to recruit someone younger than you, but all of your references are above Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer. And, you know, those younger guys, they just don't get it. It's going to be harder to build rapport if they're thinking of you as their granddad. Isn't that true? Anyway, that's what we like to do here. On the, you know, we like to build rapport on Jerry J. The Recruiting Animal Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. And I'd like to thank my sponsors, PC Recruiter, the Swiss Army Knife of Recruiting Software, Hire Tool, the super-duper sourcing tool, and HoneIt, H-O-N-E-I-T, the phone interview technology. No chit-chat with Jerry today. He's somewhere in Mexico with his family, at least last I heard of him. But we've got a guy for you all the way from Holland, B-V-D. How do you say your name? Bass? Is it Bass van der Haterd? How do you say it? Close enough. Bas van der Haterd. Boss Wonderhottered, boss. That's a good name if you're the boss. He's got his own company. Boss. Okay, you know, but as soon as I, whenever I see your name, uh, this is his Twitter address, everybody, if you want to criticize him. At B-V-D Hater, H-A-T-E-R-D. So when I look at that, I see this guy is a hater, okay? That's the first thing that comes to mind. He's a hater. And he wears BVDs, that's underwear. <laughs> that's, that's a famous brand of underwear, okay? So anyway, that's, that's how you're branded in my mind, uh, boss, okay? And, and well, I'm at least I'm not make, naked. Yeah, I'm wearing you're, underwear, I'm but, you're pretty, but you're pretty close in those BVDs. Anyway, uh, and I think one of the names uh, uh, stands for a Dutch name. That's three names, BVD. I can't remember what they are. Anyway. I want to criticize your LinkedIn uh, profile before we get going. Your LinkedIn headline, it just says professional snoop. 
Okay? If someone's doing a search, professional snoop is not – neither of those are the words, their keywords that they're going to search. Why? And I had a hard time, you know, then figuring out after I saw that, what does this guy actually do? Okay? Why would you use a, a headline like that? You think it's hilarious and it's funny and, you know, you're going to win people over? It's personal branding. Yeah, it's lousy personal branding. Why, why do you think it's good? That's why I'm asking you. I don't get it. Well, first of all, it actually really, everybody who knows me actually says, yeah, that defines you. And it's that, hold all, on. This is not for people who know you. It's for people who don't know you, okay? No, it's for people who have met me and want to remember me. <sighs> You're wrong. And there is no okay. better way to be remembered than by being unique. Yeah, okay. Okay. I mean, you, you don't get it, okay? You stri- you it's one strike against you already. You've been on the show for 2 minutes. What do you do? My my uh, you say on your LinkedIn profile that you advise companies about their career pages and their yep. recruiting strategies. Is that fair? Is that That's fair? fair? Okay. Okay. So I could call uh, myself a I could no, listen animal. I could call myself a consultant like the other million. You do know the difference between a consultant and a whore, right? No. A whore tends to say no every now and again. Okay. Mm. <laughs> so I don't want to be called a consultant. Okay. I mean, that's, what I, that's what you are, but that's another story. Okay. <laughs> be proud of it. Okay. Here. Uh, here's the warm-up question. What do you think about pup, puppy interviews? I was reading an article today about puppy yoga. You know, they have mm-hmm. yoga, and there's little puppies uh, in there. The guy who teaches the class, he's got arrangements with um, – with breeders, dog breeders, and he takes these little puppies about eight weeks old to socialize them, and they wander around the the room while people are doing their yoga, and people really like it. I, I think having a puppy or two in the interview uh, would improve things. Any comments? On, I know you don't like interviews, and we'll get to that, but if someone's going to have an interview, wouldn't it be nice if there was a puppy there? Could be. I mean, everything to break the, 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 the traditional interview is, is a positive, but... Don't know if I'd do it with puppies, but I yeah, just think be. it would war- it would warm it would warm people up. Uh, I think you know it would cut you know cut through a lot of tension right off the bat. Okay, uh, true, instead true. of instead of saying you know you want a coffee to make uh, calm someone down, they see the puppy and they pick it up and they hold it in their lap while they're talking to you. Okay, anyway, let's move on. We're going to talk about how you hire, and I'm going to read a little. Okay, every summer, this is what you wrote. I hire for to six students to study candidate experience. They look at 500 career sites and evaluate them for about 100 data points. Now, when you started out, because it's uh, HR and it's uh, marketing with the websites, you hired students from marketing and HR, and they weren't any good, okay? Someone who studied Celtic languages was your best employee, but there aren't any of those people around. So you created, it sounds like, a personality test, and you went to Russia to get somebody there to make it cheap, or you found them online. And now all you do, to, when someone applies for the job, you send the applicant the test through email. You send them a link, and they, they do the test. If they score well, and you just send them another email that they're hired, and if they want to speak to you, like have an interview before they agree to take the job, you're open to it. Otherwise, no interview, conversation, no resume required. It, it, it's just incredible to me. And uh, you want to, anything you should add to that? Do I have it right? Well, um, it wasn't that all of the ones I hired from HR marketing backgrounds were terrible. They were just really, I mean, we had some really good ones and we had some really terrible ones. So the variation was just too high. It wasn't this, I mean, they could be good. They could be crap. Um, the variation was just yeah. Got your high. point. I don't know if you listened to last week's interview, but I tried to teach Joseph, the guest, that once you say something on this show, you don't have to repeat it five times. I get it. Okay. <laughs> All so, right. I will. I won't repeat you're, it. You're hiring. You're, it was inconsistent with uh, you know. So it was like a shot in the dark. So I'm going to open yeah. some lines here. Some sometimes you got somebody good. Sometimes you didn't. Uh, but now you're getting more consistency with. Uh, 
with yeah. with this system you've got now. Yeah, and with I, it's, these and on- it's not a personality test. It's a cognitive test. It basically just looks at your information processing speed. How fast can you process the information you're seeing on the website? That's uh-huh. basically what I'm testing for. Okay, but uh, like for instance, the first that you you uh, you ha- this guy by the way on Recruiting Daily, ERE, and LinkedIn. He's got a lot of really interesting articles. Okay, I'm going to pat him on the back right now. However, what Thanks. kind of guest he turns to be, uh, to be like, he writes interesting articles in English. You know, there's little mistakes there, but uh, but they're pretty good. I really like them. I enjoyed reading them. Uh, okay, so one of the tests. So you you enumerate, you you review lots of these uh, tests, right? And the one sort of that you went into most detail in is brains first and I'm going to run through the things that it measures and it, it un, uh, unlike the test that you're talking about the test speed uh, this test does test personality am I right about that um, no it also this is also a cognitive test they've put a personality test on the background but basically what it does it tests um, neuroscience has uh, taught us that we have 16 areas of our brain basically our brain is cut up in 16 different areas and it tests each and every one of those areas. Or actually, it's four areas, and they all have four different ways we can access them. That's, that's basically it. And okay, well, so it tests cognitive parts, well, yet yeah. you've got you to gotta remember many of the, our uh, psychometric traits, so our character traits, are uh, based in cognitive possibilities. So whether you're conscientious or not is a cognitive trait, Okay, what he's trying to say, everybody, is what, you know, there's a big five personality test, and the word that he said that nobody understood was conscientious. Conscientiousness is one of the uh, the five. There's openness to experience, uh, extroversion. Uh, what are the other two that I haven't mentioned? Uh, um, extroversion. And emotionality, neuroticism. Emotionality. Neuroticism, and what's the final? Um, um, Openness to experience. Did we have that one? Yeah, I said it. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to read. You took this test, and I'm going to read yeah. what you said about the results for yourself, okay? Mm-hmm. So if it's boring, all the lines are open. You know, say, you're spending too long on this recruiting animal. You're, you're Move spending on, too long on okay? it. <laughs> Michael G. Cox, you're just saying that to bug me, aren't you? No, no. The, Go ahead. The show's all about this testing. I can't not talk oh, about oh, it. Can right, you ahead. see the yeah, well, you can you can hang up right now. I tried to send you a Starbucks. I, you know, I tried, you know, and and on the other regulars too. I, by the way, I just want you to know, I went to the American site, so you're not getting Canadian money Starbucks, okay? Because it's a lot cheaper that way, and yeah. it wouldn't accept me because I'm Canadian. So I went to the Canadian site and I filled them all out. I applied for all these gifts, and then it wouldn't process them. So just. They're on the way, okay? I said a few that, weeks ago, I'm giving right. you guys you coffee. For the I'm giving you guys coffee. One day, you're going to get it. Or I'll have to send you PayPal <laughs> and say, go buy your own. Okay? Anyway, <laughs> look. Okay. Here's, here's what these things measure. Uh, number one was flexibility and improvisation. Okay? So you said, boss, that you scored very low on flexibility and improvis- improvisation. And you thought that was a big mistake because you think you're a good improviser, Right. But then what they were really talking about when they said flexibility was your ability to switch between different tasks, and you're awful at that. So uh, when would you actually want to know that about a candidate? Um, Simple. When you uh, are in a job, like, for example, a recruiter, when a hiring manager is on your desk 24-7 every minute of the day, you need to be able to switch tasks. Yet when you're in accounting – it isn't such an important trade. Okay. Why, why never is that seen... really good in recruiting? Sorry? Why, we're making the assumption that being able to switch tasks very frequently is a good thing in recruiting. Why are, why are we making that assumption? No, we are making that assumption because he asked me for a specific example. Yeah, but Michael G. Cox is challenging you. He says that is not a requirement for a recruiter. Okay, so All right. you're making the you're giving the wrong example. That's what he's saying. Okay. All right, let's make another one. Um, help desk. The help desk. Yeah. You're always yeah. switching between tasks because every time there's somebody else standing at your desk, 
with a new problem, with his email down, et cetera, et cetera. You need to be able to switch between tasks quickly. That's okay, important. That's, that's, you're doing the same kind of thing over and over again. I don't know if that is a good example, but I'm going to move on, okay? So this is what one of, the, one of the – I'm just trying to give examples of the things it measures. There's something else called controlled speed and controlled automation. So you, can, you scored very high on controlled speed and controlled automation. That means you process information very quickly and accurately. That's important, Michael G. Cox. That's important for a recruiter, don't you think? Sure. I th okay. I think actually it's important in most roles, in most knowledge. Okay. Well, roles. I don't know about that. Not if you're uh, uh, working on a, a line in the factory. You said. No, that's what I said. Most you. knowledge, knowledge okay. jobs. Okay. You, you, okay. It's good for you as a professional speaker. That means you think quickly on your feet. Is that true? Yep. Okay. Well, we'll see in the course of this. Uh, this show, because uh, according to Michael Scott, Cox, we're dying already. Okay, uh, there's only two more. Inhibition and letting go. You are terrible at those two things, and that means uh, you shouldn't be uh, a police person, police, police uh, person, or a security guard, because uh, you, you, I don't know, you get too affected by, by things. You're too emotional, no, it, it sounds like to me. The security guard is inhibition. The one thing a security guard needs is to keep his cool when he's being challenged, not hit, a, uh -huh. hit at it right away because then you only escalate. Yeah. I'm terrible at that. Um, the letting go part has to do with injustice. I'd be terrible, for example, as a caregiver as well because when somebody is um, uh, terminally ill, it's usually very unfair. Okay, so people, are you saying that someone who's a caregiver has got to be insensitive? This is a, a tangent, I know. But you know what? Why do they use these jargon terms like inhibition and letting go? I, I wouldn't know. You have to tell me what they mean. It's so strange. Okay, the final one is anticipation. You scored high on anticipation, which means you can predict what's going to happen. Is that right? Is that what that is? Um, predict what's going to happen is a lot more, but, but thinking a few steps ahead, yeah. Okay, well, isn't that what it is? And finally, speed. If one salesperson can do their CRM updates in a quarter of the time as another salesperson because their neurons fire faster, you're going to, you know, have that, that sales rep is going to have more time to sell and build relationships, and you claim that could be a, a big money difference, right? Yeah. Okay? So, so anyway, I set it up. What he wants to do, he says resumes suck. They're totally awful. And instead, you should be giving people these kind of tests. That's what you're saying, right? Yep. Anything you'd like to add to that? Because I thought people would be interested in these you know, games. There's games. I, I've got a whole list of them that you recommend. Does anybody want to hear about this? People on the line? Michael G. Cox already said no. Although I think you're wrong, Michael G. Cox. I think this could test salespeople fairly well. Okay. Well, the, I mean, the, the test—it's not a standalone thing, and, and people make judgments inaccurately based on the results of these things. So, if you tell a, a group of sales managers, sales directors, that uh, this is what you should look for, suddenly the blinders are up, and they're only looking at that one result. Oh, concrete example. I need an example. I can't think in the abstract. I need an so example. This person, you know, there, there was you know the challenger model had come out a couple of years ago, and suddenly, you know, everybody thinks that we need higher challengers. So they started ignoring the ratings on traditional sales rep, uh, cold call prospect, get the appointment, things like that. Consultative sales rep walked through a, a a solution with a client and only focused on challenger sales rep, and and. We, we noticed that they were doing this. We, after about two years of, of me trying to change the way they view these results, we got rid of the test. No. Listen, What's Michael, I completely, agree with you. I completely agree with you that the focus on one area is the problem. The main problem we've got now, right now with resumes is that we're adding value to things which have no predictive value whatsoever. I mean, the fact that I've done sales doesn't mean I'm good at it. And the only Absolutely thing I says is and, I've and done I think this we before. can resolve that issue through a thirty minute conversation. If that thirty minute conversation over the phone is um 
is very focused on what this person needs to do during, you know, to be considered a successful hire. Agreed. It could be resolved, or um, I'm, I'm not sure, but you might be right. However, how many people who would have the talent, who would maybe even be better at it, are not sent to that phone interview because they have don't have something on their resume which makes the hiring manager tick? And it's Absolutely. not as much but about your, your selecting the wrong talent. To get rid of we the... are deselecting the right talent. I, I totally Hold on agree. a second. First of but, all, wait a second. Solution... Let me say something. Okay, Michael go G. Cox, go ahead. The, the, the solution isn't to get rid of the resume. I, I've heard this for the past 15 years. Get rid of the resume. The resume is dead. Well, help me to understand what it is that the global community that is looking for work is going to adopt in place of the resume. The test. That will the test. Showcase, no, that will help showcase their talents. I'm not talking about employers. I'm talking about the people that at some point in their lives are going to go out and look for a job. They and, don't, and they, still, all they have to do – no, no, Michael G. Cox, you're missing the point. If you okay. apply for a job, you do the test. You apply for the job no. by the test. You don't have to ever show what you do. The test shows what you're <laughs> capable of doing. Okay, well, the, the test is going to show capabilities and tendencies to be good at a particular skill. and. Yep. That that's one way to look at things, but it's it's not you know it's not anywhere close to being universally accepted. Actually, you've and got a point there, Michael G. Cox. Michael G. Cox, let me let me take your side here. Zero experience. Boss, yeah, I can't boss, waste time said that's a problem. That's a flaw in the system because they don't take into account with the actual uh, working skills that you have. Am I right about that, boss? You just completely dropped out of. Uh, can you repeat that? Oh boy. These tests are a little on the general side. They don't, they don't actually show. I, I, don't, I can't I have to look for my note, but it said you said your profile was only, when you were taking the NAC test, was only 50% correct because they don't know anything about your existing knowledge, only your competencies and character traits. So if you've got a lot of sales ability, uh, experience already, they don't know that. And Michael G. Cox is saying that's relevant, and you can't know that from a test. Um, it depends on what test you're doing. There are so many tests out there, and that and he complete. I completely agree with Michael that it's not a complete picture yet. I'm just saying it's a better picture than the ones we're painting with resumes. Well, what do you right mean? Now. You're you're hiring people. You're hiring people yourself with with no resume, right? Yeah. Just test. Exactly. And I'm not perfect. It's just better than the resume. Okay, but maybe that's because it's a it's a, almost a, a moronic kind of is that it's very narrow in the skill requirements. It's, that makes it that's what makes these testing the possible. Am I right about that? For, in part for mine, but that's only because I'm so cheap that I spend just a few hundred quid on building my own tests. Yes, but to give you an example, I'm right now I'm implementing this for a Dutch ministry, for all the jobs they've got there. That's a much more broader experience test. They've got, uh, there are about 60 different testing games in there, depending on which job you're applying okay, to. Okay, let me ask you something. Is it for new candidate, for, you know, new hire, fresh hires out of school who don't have to have any experience, or is it for, no. for jobs with people with lots of experience required? Both. Both. Actually, okay. this is more for the, the experienced jobs. Really? Well, okay. Yeah. So how do they? Well, the thing is, Michael G. Cox. There's one thing that I'm gonna. I'm have to argue boss's arguments for him. Okay, he said in in one of his articles that what you do is you interview the existing uh, top performers, and then that's how you grade these people who do the test if they score in a way that resembles the scores of the top performers. Am I right about that? Well, uh, you're not boss? interviewing them. You're testing basically to. Let me give you a very clear example. And yes, this is again for starters, PhDs, right? In the Netherlands, 75% of all PhDs don't manage to get their PhD within the four years that they're supposed to. Turns out, one of the main reasons they don't, they don't have any planning or uh, um, uh, planning capabilities. They don't know how to organize their work yet. That's very easily testable if they can do that. They've got a few others like uh, handling setbacks, stuff like that. That's also testable. So we 
have more than enough applicants at this university who have the right IQ, who are intelligent enough, they're just not making it to the end because they don't have the right character. So right now we're implementing character traits. Now we know, for example, that grit is very important. We also know that if you're too, uh, uh, if you have too much tenacity, it turns into uh, extreme perfectionism and you also don't get your work done. So what we're doing is we're testing the existing population and we're saying, okay, these guys are really great. We shouldn't have hired them in the first place, but thank God they're out of there after four years, or five in this case usually. Let's see how they score on these tests. Let's see where the optimum is on those kinds of things. So what okay, we're doing when I, was, when I met, hold on, wait a sec. With Michael G. Cox gave you this example of the challenger uh, profile, whatever that is. So the thing is, though, what you would be doing with your system is going to his existing sales staff, uh, testing the top performers, and then looking for whatever it is that the top performers have, uh, exactly. not just the challenger. You follow me, Michael? Yeah, Mike. and what you mm -hmm. probably see in Michael's case with those different, you need different kinds, you'll get probably four or five different profiles. And everybody who meets one of those profiles get a great fit score. But you also know what type of sales they will be good at. Some people are better farmers. Some people are better hunters. You know that. Okay. But are those, uh, are those by, by testing existing uh, top performers, are your, are your uh, standards going to be biased if they're all men? They might be, and that's the biggest uh, risk there is. So you do need to evaluate what the hell you're testing and where you're publishing. Yeah, you're going in and out. advice my client is hire a few people you, the test say you shouldn't have hired and look at how they, they're performing and put that info back into the algorithm. Yeah, I don't understand what you're talking about now. Okay, uh, let me see. <laughs> okay. You, you uh, don't know. All right, it's very simple. If you're afraid your algorithm is biased yeah try to see if you can prove it by hiring people the algorithm says you shouldn't uh-huh and if the algorithm is right the algorithm is right but if the algorithm is wrong you've got your data to improve the algorithm. okay but in the meantime you're gonna you're, you have to you have to make a big investment in finding out if it's right or wrong by hiring a loser okay i'm just going to read some of the names of the other in case in case people are interested uh the one the game the uh the game these these tests are games you play games there's brains first was the one that uh bass boss tried himself uh then there's talent pitch there's knack and there's play to work any others you want to name um there's arctic shores there is cognizus um, there's biometrics. Um, those are those are. I've tested them all, by the way. Um, and there are several others. Um, all have the different qualities, and some okay. have. Okay, you less say here one of your complaints about resumes. I have to do an ad in a minute. You say resumes don't tell you if the person has a confrontational personal style or if they're easily distracted. Are these tests going to tell you if someone has a confrontational style? It depends on which test you have. Yeah, I had one test, which wasn't by game-based, it was micro-expression, who said he has a confronting style, he's action-oriented, and there are a lot of people who will find him um, with an exploding character. Okay, Yeah. that's you? That's me. Uh, you, you did describe According yourself as somebody. According to my ex-girlfriend, that's me. You're explosive. Okay, well, I wouldn't brag about it, but... Wow. Okay. Okay. But you're saying that was based on micro expressions. We haven't even talked about yet. That that's that's doing visual. Uh, I guess filming somebody and having the computer yeah. analyze their 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 facial expressions. Am I right about that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you believe in that. You believe in it. I've seen the science. Yeah. Michael G. Cox, would you be ready to hire someone based on their micro expressions? I'm not saying you no. should hire them. You should take the information as editing information. Um, you made a really good point on Facebook today, Animal, saying that we won't be able to replace the resumes. And I completely agree with you on that. And I'm still thinking, you know, does the resume have something for some jobs? It might. 
what we've been doing, for example, at the university, because 90% of the professors do not believe in, uh, in, in getting rid of the resume. So what I said is, let's make sure they've got a personality profile which actually fits, which isn't based on bias, like this is a woman or he or she has done or hasn't done any uh, uh, volunteer work or it's from university, it's crap, you know, all those kinds of things. Uh, we'll give them a personality profile and we add it on top of the resume. And what we know is that they will never, ever select people from all the way down at the list. So at least we're getting the wrong people uh, who do not have the right character traits to make a PhD work. Okay. You're going in and out. So, But I think what you're saying is there, once these uh, hiring managers, in this case professors, take a look at the personality profiles and the resumes, they'll only look at the resumes of the people whose personalities uh, match. So they won't rule out resumes entirely. I didn't say what you said I said on Facebook. Uh, Michael G. Cox, I'm going to come back to you in a second because I forgot to ask you about puppy uh, uh, interviews. And I want every there's other people on the line. I want to know what they think about that. I think it's a great idea. I don't interview any puppies. No, the puppy would be with the candidate, okay, on their lap or something. Or, you know, you'd let the puppy wander around, and if the puppy peed on the floor, uh, you'd see how this person would react to that, okay? That's the, that's the revealing. It's revealing. Yeah, it's like okay. playing that game where you, 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 you know, the you – know, it's just like silly where you put the, the, the chair in the corner and see if they move it. And, wow, that's going to tell you something major about the way they are. Okay, well, this guy's backed away from, from this no resume, uh, no touch hiring already. I, I don't know if I'm, I'm disappointed about that. But I've got to do an ad, okay? I've got to get coffee money to pay, pay the regulars, okay? Then Jerry never comes anymore to pay somebody else. Okay, hire tool, everybody. H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L. It's the super-duper sourcing tool. Everybody loves it. And the thing it was famous for uh, originally was supplying contact information. You can go to HireTool.com, download their free Chrome extension, and it finds uh, personal and professional uh, email addresses and phone numbers for you. It's pretty good at that. But also, it'll do a full search for you. You go to the website. You put in your search uh, requirements. In normal, everyday English, it builds the string for you. You don't have to know Boolean. It does it for you. It searches a whole pile of sites like Facebook, GitHub, LinkedIn, gives you back a ranked list, and it guesses what the salaries are of those people and who's going to be most ready to move. So go check them out, please, at HireTool, H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L.com. You know what? I better ask you some. Since everybody, I, I find what you know this thing about these touchless recruiting, where you know the people just apply, they do the test, and you send them an email. Yeah, I'd like you or not. But the more we talk about it, the more it seems like it's impossible. You have to know what the person knows in terms of their profession, and there's no way to test that with these assessments. Am I right about that? Boss, um, it depends on the type of assessments. We've only discussed right now game-based assessments. I want to hire a doctor, okay? I want to hire a doctor. So, of course, if I just send them these brain games, I, I, yeah, okay, do these games yeah. online. Uh, you know what? I'll, 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 get a, I'll get his personality, but I won't know if he or she uh, knows how to do a, a heart operation, will I? I have to see the resume. No, you have to, uh, you have to see the, 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 the diploma. And a diploma isn't a resume. The thing is, most things we can actually check on a resume. For example, if you're a registered nurse, you don't need a resume for, you need a checkbox. Are you a registered nurse? Yes or no? You don't need an entire no, resume. You know what? No. You are failing this part of the interview. That is not true. No, I want to know how many. I want to know how many. I want to know how many. I want to listen to me. I want to know how many operations you've uh, done. I want to know what kind if they were all on the exact same uh, heart problem, what hospitals they were in. Yeah, experience and it's on the resume. I I'm moving away from you to Michael G Cox if this is a debate, right? Since my vote is the number of operations on the resume. It just says how how long you've been a doctor and well, well, oh, no, you can you can and should include uh, quantifiable accomplishments on a resume. I'm not saying everybody does. 
I'm, I, no, no, I agree with you here. And out, I, I think I've seen one resume in my entire lifetime with that kind of information on it. Okay. Well, there you uh, go. So, you know what? I got to tell you, but but n- number of operations is going to be correlated to a certain extent with the number of years of experience. If I've been doing it for five years, you got to figure I've done more than ten. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> really. Okay. Let me make an example here. Yes, it should be correlated with that. And then we had this one a doctor, a brain surgeon, who turned out that twenty percent of his people ended up dead. But his resume was so well that he was actually hired again and again at different hospitals. Terrible he, interviewing. Or reference checking. Okay, but no test is going to find figure that out for you either. Actually, yeah. in this really, case, because it turned out he was a drug addict, it would have probably uh, came out as a very erratic... Uh, um, well, a drug test could have taken care of that. Yeah, those are forbidden in the Netherlands. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, here's something else. else. Get no brain surgeries in the Netherlands. Okay. Yeah, no. Well, here's something else. Uh, let me let me just see. He says um, he says that uh, over 50% of uh, visitors to corporate recruitment websites they visit by their mobile phones, but they can't apply with their mobile phones, and that's ridiculous. Am I right about that, boss? You're right. I think it's actually a little higher now, but. It- that was an old article, but yeah. In the Netherlands, okay. it's about 60%, uh, at least when I look at most of my clients. Okay, and what you're, inter- what you're saying is that one in six Americans now have a smart speaker at home, and uh, three, 75% of the users love it, and that in the future, people are going to want to be able to apply for jobs through their voice, like talking to Siri or something like that. Am I right? Yeah, yeah probably. When's that? Is that ten years away? When do you think? That's less than ten years away. Well, yes. How far we're losing you? You're going in and out, or you All pretend right. you're I, I they probably they want that it now. within five years, but I'd be happy to see corporations actually be able to deliver this within ten. Oh, Michael G. Cox, what did you say? Uh, I said you you had said people want will want to do that. Hey, people might want to do that now. It doesn't make any difference. Okay, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> but have, the thing have is, you heard about the Allianz um, voice bot? No. Has that reached America yet? No. I have so Basically, Basically, and I think this is a really great, cool innovation, Allianz is a big German uh, insurer, right? Uh-huh. Oh, Allianz. Um, so, so what they now have is they have an interview training on Google uh, Voice. So you can do the interview questions. There's no data gathered yet, but you can see what kind of questions they ask, and you can answer them. Okay, so you can already do uh, an online voice interview. Okay, and you, then they'll you, do, do they do a linguistic analysis of it? Because you said no. that computers, they, the computers not only do these micro-expression uh, analyses, they'll analyze the way you talk as well and give and you claim they give an accurate personality profile based on language analysis right a, a pretty accurate yeah okay. i'm not saying it's perfect yet okay okay you seem to have lost a lot of weight and you're different when i was picking a picture for you for the show some of them you seem to be about 50 pounds heavier than you are now am i right about that um actually 100 pounds wow How'd you well do done. that? Work out, eat healthy. What did you change in your diet? Um, pretty much everything. Well, that's kind of vague, just like these tests, right? It's a little too high level for me. Uh, okay. it, it, it went in several years, but uh, um, I changed a lot. And did you go on the keto diet or the low-carb diet? Just a quickie for you. No know, diet, just changing eating habits. First, I started eating more, but more regular and less uh-huh. big portions. Then I started eating less. I started eating more fruits. I stopped with bread. Um, I, I, I ate less carbs. Um, and I just ate smaller portions, and I stopped with all the snacks. Oh, okay. good for you. Okay. You wanted, yeah, okay. So there's a, you know, in the meantime, you made me forget about what I wanted to talk about. I had a really burning question, so I'm going to do an ad. Probably about linguistic recruit- analysis. 
And no, no the that voice bot doesn't do in linguistic analysis. And yes, it's pretty good. Actually, uh, today in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, I forgot one of those two, was a brilliant article how they're using linguistic analysis right now to predetermine very early on when bipolar people are going to get depressed or when somebody who's committed suicide before might be at a, a point where they're going to do it again to give early warning signals to uh, help uh, healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, you know, what happened with me is I read about your hiring process and mm-hmm. I became entranced with it. And I would say to some extent bewitched by it or hypnotized <laughs> by it. That's what I focused on. And Michael G. Cox had to bring me back to reality, like with that example with the doctor. I mean, it's just high level. It's a personality test, right? And you might need only – and there's certain skills, okay, like in, in, in your uh, – in your your requirement for your job, they had to you know have like fast eye movement or fast processing for uh, new information. That's an important skill, but we, we hire for experience as well. And those tests really don't show anything um, anything about. There's only half the story. So, but anyway, I have to do an ad. Okay, we'll come back to that. More like that. more like twenty percent of the story. Okay, boy, we're all over the place on that. Okay, PC Recruiter, everybody. You know what people love about PC Recruiter? You know what people love about PC Recruiter? You know what distinguishes PC Recruiter from other recruiting software? PC Recruiter is configurable. You know what that means? That means PC Recruiter does not impose its own workflow management style on you. It lets you make the software do what you want it to, not what some propeller head up and head off wants it to. No, it puts the power of its recruiting software in your hands, okay? You can uh, create these candidate presentation features, you know, where you send in a a link through email to your client, and uh, he or she can uh, click it and come to your website, and it sees the candidate. You set that up yourself. Whatever fields you want to show, whatever information, it's not a template that you have to bend yourself to. You define it. Okay, and the uh, client can grade the candidate, offer some notes, and it goes into uh, your website uh, and it's stored there for you. Okay, so if you want recruiting software that reflects your needs, not somebody else's, go check out PCRecruiter.net. PCRecruiter.net. Now. You know, uh, Boss has a, right. an article. And well, I want to I get back to this point about how much percent is it, because let me give you an example of the, this ministry, right? They recently had uh, a recruiter position open. They had like 40 applicants with met the criteria. Yes, based on a resume, those people said we've been recruiting for several years. Now, how do you select from that? How do you grade or rank the experience? Is recruiting for a public agency better than for an, uh, 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 no, uh, what's this called again? Corporate um, recruiting? Yeah, there's different. It's different. It's different. Yeah, yeah. And, we, but, and, and what, you, what you very often see happening, especially, for example, in government, is that uh, go, they all say we need to get more out there. We need to learn more from corporates. We need to learn more from the agencies. And then yeah. what ends up is they all say, let's hire the guy who did it for the government before. Yeah. That's true. I've had that experience myself. Okay. I've been actually, uh, at some point, I've been rejected for a part-time job at a government because I had no government experience. The guy they hired actually called me two weeks later because he had no knowledge of the subject and he wants to hire me as a consultant, yet he had no budget to help him figure out what his job was about. Uh-huh. So basically... Um, that's what a resume does. It lets you to select based on prejudice. So what if within this group of 20 or 40 people we've got who all have the experience, yes, I agree with Michael on this one, experience is not completely useless. You need it. Is it a resume? I'm not sure. You could just ask, have you done recruiting for so many years? But within that line, let's look at the actual competences somebody needs is this a recruiter who needs to do interviewing techniques? Then maybe listening is something he or she should be good at. Is this a recruiter who's doing, going to do mainly sourcing? Then he or she should have a low inhibition of calling people and should be able to re- handle rejection really well. And those are the kinds of skills you can test. 
So I'm not saying experience is completely bogus for my old jobs. I'm just saying that within the group of people who have some form of experience, we might be able to select the best. Okay. I agree. That, that was I, I agree that a, that a resume should never be a standalone. Obviously, strong interviewing has to, has to um, be factored into that. And yeah. But have you re- have you read last year's research done on interviewing? Turns out that 99% of all interviewers actually only end up confirming their bias they had on the, based on a resume. Well, no. <laughs> That's um, yeah, well, see, but this all, guy, no, he's against it. interviews. I, I, we, we, he's against resumes, I, but he's against. I'm talking over you, Mike. He's against yeah, interviews yeah. as well. Okay. So now let's move over to that. He's against interviews. Your turn. Go ahead. No, okay. So I, I, I've heard, I've heard of that. I've read a few articles on it. I don't know if I've read the one that you mentioned. Totally agree that there is bias in 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 interviewing. Um, you do have to have the self discipline to be able to overcome that, especially as a recruiter for your clients, whether you're agency or corporate. Because in my case, I'm a corporate recruiter right now, and if I if I allow that bias to uh, confirm that you know, I only send individuals forward that are meeting the profile that I already have in my brain, um, I, I I could possibly damage the uh, abilities of a sales team to accomplish what it needs to accomplish. Um, but the same exists with regard to these assessments. If I allow hiring managers to see assessments and they if they can't control their bias then we're going to end up with uh, high D's on the disc assessment we're going to no, end up with no 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 you made a mistake you've already uh, you established standards that are not based on the biases of the hiring manager you had top performers do the tests already and you're what you're grading the new candidates are not according to what the uh, the hiring manager says he's going to like or she's going to like. It's according to what the top performers have already shown are valuable I, I don't, scores. I don't know. That's going to create a very homogeneous um, no. in, yeah, environment the, where you only Michael, have that, one that's type That's the of one person. thing I've always heard. The thing is that everywhere where they implemented it, it turned out it's not homogeneous. It's, it's actually getting more diverse. More women are going through to leadership positions. More ethnic minorities are being selected because they actually have the right competences based upon the competences that matter. Yet they do bring in a certain level of diversity because of their background, which is interesting. But this only works, and I do agree with you, if we uh, check the algorithm and if we check what we're actually selecting on. Okay, but Michael and G. Cox, let me address what. Let me hold on. Let me in here, guys. What Michael G. Cox said a minute ago was, "You're going to have everybody being the exact same." But what Boss said a few minutes ago is that for certain jobs, you do want everybody to be. You want everybody to be a good listener. You want everybody to be uh, non-reactive emotionally. You want people with certain uh, personality traits. Uh, and uh, thinking processes or thinking abilities. You, if, for instance, if you were hiring a bunch of public speakers, you want people who can handle hecklers, who you know think or answer questions, who think quickly uh, on their feet. Okay, so uh, the idea that you're too afraid of getting uh, a bunch of uh, you know cookie cutter uh, robots in the job—that's not a fear. Okay, that's not a valid concern. Okay. No, right, well, if you want, if you want the, the concern that hiring managers. Are, are going to focus in on, nope, this is exactly what I want. I want a type A personality. I want a high D on the disc scale. I want this They don't get to choose the, that. That's my point. They don't no, get to choose. No, know, You're basing it on empirical nobody, data. Your hiring standards are based on no, no, what's shown no. to work. Michael does have a point here. No, Animal, uh, I, sorry, and this is going to be really weird, but I've, I'm siding with Michael here. If you give the uh, hiring managers a chance to choose, he's going to be absolutely right. It's going to be hell. But what, it's already basically hell. So what I'm trying <laughs> to do now is give empirical data to a different about what works hell. and what doesn't and help hey, them Michael. select. Okay. It's, I'm going to do an step. ad, and I it's opened a bunch. Perfect. It's a step. I opened a bunch of lines of people. Animal, somebody else was trying to speak. 
Okay, I've, I opened all the lines. I'm just going to do one more ad, and anybody else can talk. Okay, well, I, I, sorry, I stopped thinking about it, and I should have opened it before. But right now I'm going to tell you about Honeit, H-O-N-E-I-T, Honeit.com. Honeit is phone interview technology. It records and transcribes your phone interview, so you can enjoy the conversation without worrying about uh, taking notes and, and missing certain details. And that makes uh, for an interview in the end that's searchable as well for important keywords so that even after a long conversation, you can find, in fact, you can hone in on the information you want. Honeit lets you create 30-second sound bites that bring the candidates to life by letting hiring managers hear them discuss their skills in their own voices. It works with any ATS or CRM. Zero integration is required. Just connect your Google or Outlook calendar and put a Honeit scheduling link anywhere in your workflow. Honeit, H-O-N-E-I-T dot com. Okay, anybody who hasn't spoken or wants to uh, attack anybody or any idea, shoot. Uh, your lines are open. They're all open now. Go ahead. Anybody. Probably nobody will say a word. Yeah, okay. I heard there. somebody say, hey, Michael. Go ahead. Hey, hey Michael. Well, it's Nick. I hate to jump in right after the ad, <laughs> but uh, it's Nick Livingston. Oh, Nick, okay. Well, you know what? i got to tell you, Nick, when I was doing the ad just now, this is the CEO of Honeit. I like my version better than yours, okay? <laughs> I just I just think it's better, okay? So next week I'm going to do my version. But what do you want to say? Go. go ahead, well, hey, Nick. Go ahead. Do you have about, something? We're, just, we're, we're excited about interview conversations, and we're excited about interview data, right? And I think, uh, you know, part of the point about interview effectiveness, right, that we were talking about, much of that is because there has been zero visibility into what goes into interview conversations, what questions are being asked, and even more interesting is what makes a good versus great answer. So the companies that are starting to analyze that information can make better and more predictive hiring decisions based on the data rather than based on gut feelings, which I would argue, you know, the, the, you know we, we talked about on this call. I think mm-hmm. with the nurse example that we've talked about, the nurse or the physician example, you know, in a phone interview, when you're able to ask a nurse, hey, tell me about your most memorable patient experience. The answer that that person gives uh, a junior recruiter on the line speaks volumes about what's important to them, how they consider bedside manner, right? And that soundbite can, can go a long way given to someone else to hear and interpret for themselves. So I Hold think- on. You know what? Wait a second. Okay. Now, the thing is, though, uh, you could fake that, okay? If I'm a nurse and I know they I, I can make them sound, myself sound compassionate and calm yeah. and caring. That, that, that's the whole point with these, why these interviews are not to be trusted. They're full of impression yeah. management. It's not and just, interestingly it's not just, enough, that, animal. That's the grit. That's the culture fit part. But you can also ask more technical questions. Hey, what is the proper methodology for diagnosing this? And a, and, a, and a nurse's response to that cannot be faked, right? Just as if you're interviewing an engineer. Hey, what's the what's even better if, this even, even if you're right? staying focused on the um, tell me about your most memorable moment and you think you're being lied to, very basic follow-up questions can help suss that out. Sure. You know, tell me about the way that the situation before, during, and after, and what were the major challenges. And after about five or six questions, you're really going to find out if they're, if they're lying to you. Yeah, and actually linguistic analysis it would be able to pick up certain vibration in the voice which well, it can't tell you for certain that somebody's lying, but it can give you a certain indication. You know, that yeah, would integrate I mean, even, well with, with – that would go well with, uh, with hone it, Nick, just to keep it in mind. That, that's a great point. I mean, <laughs> but even think about all of us recruiters who have, have interviewed and hired other recruiters before. You know, we would know in 30 seconds if we asked someone, hey, you just – a new rec hit your desk. You know, what's the first thing you do, right? And if that recruiter says, oh, I log into monster.com, you know, that's not the best answer, right, in my opinion, no. right? It's going to be, hey, I want to sit down with the hiring manager. I want to do a kickoff call. I want to really understand what I'm looking for before I even start sourcing anything, right? So, you know, that's a, just an example that any one us, of us would understand. Now, now take that to a QA director. Take that to an engineering manager. Take that to a marketing VP. They're going to know what a great answer sounds like for specific yeah. questions in their world. And that's a great argument against the, the whole generalist versus specialist thing if you really know your niche. Yeah. 
Do you guys know what uh, the, the most um, predictive interview question from Google was? Was it golf no. balls in a in no. a jumbo jet? No, absolutely not. That had zero <laughs> predictability. It turns out that quite the best question was, tell me about a difficult problem and how you solved it. Because it actually showed what this de developer thought was a difficult problem and how he, and if it's a team player or uh, if it's a, a soloist. You're asking a question that's very much focused on what it is that they're going to do. Yeah. Um, Okay, I, I think, well, hold on, I, I think this show has redeemed, about, redeemed the, the resume. The interview I, collaboration is that a recruiter can now ask any question, right? We don't have to necessarily be the person that knows a good versus great technical answer, yet interview technology is enabling recruiters to ask the same technical questions that a hiring manager usually asks three steps later. We can be asking those on the first call, and then yep. sharing those technical answers with someone else. Yeah, but Nick, 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 I like the product. I know it's going to record the answer, and you don't even have to understand it. But like Michael G. Cox just said, if you don't understand it, if that's not your niche and your area of expertise, you can't ask the obvious follow-up questions that sometimes are required for clarification, right? Yeah, I think Nick's argument is that, but when you send that forward to the hiring manager, that hiring manager is going to know, oh, yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about or does not. Um, my only concern about doing that, Nick, is if I'm submitting individuals and it's kind of like that shotgun approach because I don't know what the proper answer is, then, then the concern is I'm being perceived as somebody who doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Well, yeah. here's the thing. The, 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 the feedback loops are faster and better than ever, right? You now have yeah. a actual piece of evidence or data that can be cooperatively assessed, and that hiring manager can say, no, that answer is not quite right because of this. And, and that's where recruiters and hiring managers come together, and that's where yeah. trust and credibility is created. You know what I mean? So. But I before I forget, wait, wait, Nick, what about the puppy interview? Any opinion? Were, were you on the line at that point? I wasn't on the I wasn't no. on the call for that one. Oh, okay, Sorry fine. That. Okay, we'll leave yep. that for another time. We'll leave that for another time. Like the thing is, uh, uh, the boss, before you go, the show's almost over. But the thing is, like you were, I didn't quote everything that I read this morning from from your articles. You were saying that these tests are sure predictors of of uh, you know future performance. Uh, and after you know Michael G. Cox has been shooting you down. Uh, I, I, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure anymore because you really it, said interviews and resumes are no good, and these tests are really good. And, and I, we I don't talking, think so. We were talking about future performance, not exactly at the moment performance. And the one thing these tests can do is actually not tell you if you're going to be able to do the job today. It's going to be tell me if you're going able to be able to change with. What's the job going to be like next year or in two years? So if you're afraid that people will start working for you who will not be flexible enough, who will not be able to adapt, who have just learned just this one trick, then those tests will add. And um, in some jobs, you really need a resume. In others, um, you really um, could do with just knowing that somebody has the talent and you can teach them on the job. Okay, so that, I'll just say that's the last thing. You, you, if, for instance, one of the big five personality traits is openness to experience, and that's someone who likes new things, and that kind of person is going to be o o oriented towards learning. So you want people with that, with that trait because then they're going to try to keep up with uh, the ever-changing uh, technical development in their field. Am I right about that? Is that what you're saying? You're absolutely right about that, and I want to add one thing. Because the one, um, if you do that by questionnaire-based assessments, openness to experience is the one thing you socially really can't say you're not. So the questionnaire base is actually yeah. the least predictive about that. You can rather test it by games or actually linguistics. Okay. Okay, you know what? There was a whole bunch of other topics I didn't get to. I'd like you to come back to the show. But in the meantime, I want to thank Michael G. Cox. I want to thank my sponsor, Nick from Honet, who should be a guest in the future as well. He's very passionate these days. And, and, and our new friend, Boss Van Der Hatred. <laughs> Is that how you say it? Okay, thank you! <laughs>